Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. You're in Market View with me, Michelle Martin. Asia-Pacific markets are trading mixed this morning, while Hong Kong and China remain closed for the Lunar New Year holidays. Joining me now as we break down all the market action, Ryan Huang, how was the long break? It was fantastic. How was yours, Michelle? Good as well, good as well. Looking forward to this morning, though, where trading in shares of some of the biggest blue chip stocks over at Wall Street, they were halted overnight soon after the markets opened. So traders watched the opening ticker and they were shocked when they witnessed shares of AT&T swing between a 20% gain and a 21% tumble in just a matter of seconds. So banks, retailers and industrial companies, including McDonald's, Walmart, Wells Fargo and Morgan Stanley were also affected by erratic trades and big opening losses before the trading halt. So, Ryan, fill us in. What exactly happened? Yeah, so one of those days when you have a tech glitch, and this is pretty much what happened, and implications is the New York Stock Exchange may have to cancel a huge number of trades in the opening minutes. So we are talking about how the markets set up in the start of the session. So it was confusing a lot of people because prices did not seem to match the closing price at all. Um, If you look at some of the gyrations that came about, we saw, for example, Walmart closing it around 142, but opening at 159. So that is a jump of 12%. And if you look at other stocks like Wells Fargo, it looked like a crash 15%. AT&T looked like swung between gains of 20% and then tumbled 21% in a matter of seconds. So huge swings for no reasons at all. And it's all around how the tech glitch caused a lot of the buy and sell orders to not be registered. So in some cases, there are more sell orders. In some cases, more buy orders. And that resulted in low volumes. And typically when that happens, you see huge spikes. So that is much um, the story of what happened to more than 200 stocks involving some of these big cap names. Yeah, initially, analysts I was speaking to were wondering whether this was a meme stock uh, phenomenon, but it doesn't look like that. Uh, These are not stocks easily manipulated. They're big firms with large market caps. Just to give you a sense of how these fluctuations were felt on Wall Street, one investor told Bloomberg that hit traders on the floor were, quote, getting pummeled. Another said that it scared the heck out of him when he saw that one of his biggest holdings was getting hit. So back to your point, Ryan, if this does indeed prove to be a computer error, it wouldn't be the first time that such an occurrence has tripped up Wall Street, would it? Yeah, you've got a couple of these playing out in the past few years. I think you might recall in 2012, uh, one of the biggest market makers, Night Trading. So Mm -hmm. it caused a huge number of errors on the exchange. And that sense, shares swing across the market and eventually led to Night Trading going into insolvency. And this was um, back in 2012. And then last year, Citigroup's London Trading Desk was behind a flash crash that sent shares crashing across Europe. In Canada, we've seen a 40-minute outage uh, across three of its stock exchanges. And of course, we've seen in the headlines many fat finger accidents as well. In Tokyo, we've also seen disruptions um, play out for their exchanges. So not Uncommon in that sense, I'm sure there'll be more to come in the coming years. 
Investors hurt by the fluctuations overnight might look to the NYSE rules for some relief. In the event of a system failure, it says an organization can submit a claim and seek reimbursement. And we should also note that long-term investors should not be affected. All right, let's turn now to corporate news and Microsoft, which reported earnings after the markets closed this morning. At first, investors liked what they heard. Microsoft shares jumped 4% in initial after-hours trade, but then as more information came to light, shares of the tech giant did an about-face. So, Ryan, what caused the turnaround? Yeah, let's talk about what investors liked when they first heard the results. And it was around Microsoft's strong performance in its cloud business, Azure. So that came in with a rise of 38% growth. So there was about slightly uh, forecasts, consensus forecasts. So that kind of lent the narrative that the cloud business for Microsoft at least was pretty resilient, offsetting the slump elsewhere, like in the PC market, software market. So in that sense, they had some good news to cheer. But then came the bad news when they had the earnings call and it came through from CFO Amy Hood, which painted a gloomy picture in the coming year. So she talked about how customers are starting to moderate their expenses, IT expenses, particularly around consumption in cloud businesses or cloud services and they expect to see lower than expected growth in new business in December and onwards. So she expects these trends to continue in the current quarter and she's projecting revenue to come in roughly $1 billion or more lower than consensus forecasts. So that is what investors did not expect. They expected resilient cloud growth perhaps for the coming quarters but it looks like also cloud is under pressure. Indeed. So Microsoft's cloud business, Azure, is growing more slowly than before. Plus, we see Microsoft investing big in ChatGPT, the artificial intelligence chatbot. So what is your overall take on Microsoft's business now? Well, it does have a few things going, like pointed out the huge buzz around ChatGPT and the potential applications it might bring for the various Microsoft services. For example, being able to search on Bing or other synergies it might have with uh, Microsoft Word and other Office Suite stuff. So that has huge potential and that is setting up Microsoft for new revenue streams. I think that's a big plus for it in the at least long-term growth. But I think the catch is how it's going to navigate the near-term pressures. And Microsoft, like many other tech companies, have been cutting back on their employee numbers, laying off people, and possibly having to deal with a prolonged slump when it comes to IT budgets being cut back. So it has some near-term headwinds to deal with before it can reap those long-term potential benefits. So I would be arguing that Microsoft has it going for it fundamentally in the long term. Yeah, I'd agree. Now, the initial success and the promise of ChatGPT is certainly raising eyebrows over at Google, whose search engine dominates the business currently, so much so that the company has called back its founders, Larry Page and Sergey Brin, to help out. The tech billionaires have been relatively hands-off from Google in recent years. 
Not so much uh, past couple of days. Tell us more. Yeah, so you know it's serious when the big guns come <laughs> out. So Larry Page and Sergey Brin, the Google founders, have now started to, in some sense, come back out of retirement or semi-retirement, having several meetings with executives at Alphabet. And it's all around the threat being posed by ChatGPT. Of course, you might know how Google has been trying to bet on its future with its voice assistant, Siri, or rather, hey Google, Google Assistant. So that's been now under threat with the latest developments and they are taking it so seriously that the CEO of Google has pretty much declared a code red around the situation and trying to figure out what to do from here. And it looks like they are going to be pumping in more investments into new AI technology and looking at more than 20 new products to demonstrate how its search engine could be boosted with more chatbot features. And I think it's um, going to be interesting to see how this space develops because of this healthy competition. Yeah, the AI tech wars are on. All right, time now for a quick game of up or down. If you're listening at home, here's how we play it every morning. I name a company or an item in the news, and we all try to figure out which way it's moving. Our first entry this morning is Google. ChatGPT is not the only thing on the minds of Google's executives these days. What do you think, Ryan? Is Google an up or a down? Yeah, it's going to be... An easy down for me. So it's got a lot of headaches to deal with. Last Friday, it talked about cutting 12,000 jobs, around 6% of its full-time workforce. That's pretty much its largest round of layoffs in its 25-year history. And then overnight, it got slapped with a lawsuit from the US government. And this is around its digital advertising business. Basically, the government does not feel that it's fair for Google to play so many roles in the ad tech business, pretty much involved in buying, selling, and operating the exchange for the marketplace for advertising. So that is possibly down the road leading to the potential breakup of the Google advertising business. So not a great look for Google. I'm definitely going to give this a down on the back of that piece of news. If you've just joined us this morning, welcome. This is Market View. He's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin. And we've been talking about the U.S. Justice Department suing Google over its digital ad dominance, saying that the company has been abusing its monopoly power. Next up, Ryan, let's look at General Electric. Is that an up or down for you? Mm, let me think about General Electric. I would probably go with down. So it's seeing annual profit below estimates and this is um, despite some pockets of recovery, for example, in aviation, but it has seen some headwinds lingering with its renewable engine business. So mm. that is, I think, offsetting some of the bright spots and uh, it's something to watch out for to see if it can get out of its fix with the renewable energy side of things. All right, so GE earnings better than expected thanks to strong demand for power equipment and those jet engines. But its profit forecast is disappointing investors and the stock looks like a down for me in after-hours trade. And finally, a local entry, Ames APEC REIT. I would be going with up for Ames APEC REIT. So DPU yeah. is higher by 10.2% for its third quarter. And this is now at? 2.59 cents and it says this was due to 
higher gross revenue and also net property income. So it looks like REITs are starting to get a better well, f- start to the year at least. Yeah, we just talked about Ames APEC REIT as well. In case you missed it, check out our podcast playlist. Um, the playlist that you want on Spotify is Your Money with me, Michelle Martin. Now we come now to the Elon Musk files where one of the world's richest men is on trial for fraud. He's accused of misleading investors back in 2018 for a series of tweets in which he wrote that funding had been secured to privatize Tesla and that investor support was confirmed. Those funds never materialized and Tesla was not privatized. It remains a publicly listed company. Now, shareholders say that Musk basically lied and that his tweets cost them money. So on the witness stand, Musk has offered at least two rationales for why his 2018 tweets were accurate, he's saying. Ryan, what are, what are these rationales? Yeah, it really is something to sound like, do you believe in Elon Musk? Because uh, he has come up with a few theories, so it's up to you to believe if it's credible. So he says, mm-hmm. no, despite the tweet, no, he actually does have the funding behind being able to write a tweet. So it was not misleading in that sense. He had the funding secured in that, well, quotation mark sense of way. So he says, no, even if he did not get the funds coming in from Saudi Public Investment Fund, which he says, no, was quite um, supportive of the transaction, he could still afford it anyway because he could sell shares in SpaceX, which was then a very, and still is, a very valuable company because it is the backbone of the US space program. So he's saying, you know, regardless, either or, or either way, he has the money. So investors were not misled. Uh, the could have argument. So while Musk argues that he could have sold SpaceX shares to finance the Tesla buyout back in 2018, a couple of key details are still missing. For example, Musk didn't say how many shares in his reusable rocket maker that he would have been able to sell to whom or at what price. So investors, at least Tesla's current shareholders, don't seem bothered, though, by this lack of detail. Tell us how Tesla's shares have done since the Musk trial started. Yeah, it's been actually doing quite well. So if you look at what's Mm. been playing out for um, Tesla, it has gained nearly 33% so far this year. This is versus last year's losses of 53.6%. So in line with the recent gains, as with... um, some of the stocks we've been seeing rallying in the early part of the year, he has seen his fortune swell about $10.6 billion to $145.2 billion. So it's going to be interesting because tonight we will get, we'll be getting the earnings coming through from Tesla and a couple of things right. will be in focus, including how much impact his recent discounts in China will help to lift numbers and how much he'll be giving to the guidance for margin pressures down the road and also some of the tax credits for EVs that were launched in January 1st in the US, how much that's helped purchases um, with um, the Tesla side of things. So that's going to be um, one to watch out for tonight. Thanks for that reminder. Let's check in on how stocks are doing this morning. We are now 20 minutes into the local trading day. The Straits Times Index rallied on Friday to close up half a percent at 32.93. If we look back at the year of the Tiger, the STI made some gains there, but not much. It finished up a little more than 3 
1%, I should say, during this period. Ryan, I want to fast forward to today. How are Singapore stocks starting off the year of the rabbit? Well, it's off to a good start. It is hopping off higher by 1.3%. So that is the picture right now. So far at 3,337. All right. Well, thank you very much. He's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.